The following program is a presentation of the Radio Talking Book Service in Omaha, Nebraska. RTBS programming is intended solely for individuals who cannot read conventional print due to a disability. Ineligible listeners risk infringing on copyright law, and RTBS is not responsible for any violations that may occur. It's time now for another edition of Husker Holics right here on the Radio Talking Book Network from Omaha, Nebraska. It's the program where we feature all things Big Red. And here's your announcer today, our very own Steve Sleeper. Okay, here's a headline for you, and this comes from the Omaha World Herald. In better-fitting cleats, Chubba Purdy builds bonds with his Nebraska teammates. (laughs) The Sharpies were bleeding dry. Nebraska quarterback Chubba Purdy signed dozens of T-shirts, footballs, and other memorabilia during Nebraska's football development camp last weekend. At one point, he ran out of ink. At another, he paused an interview to sign one more shirt. The camp was for kids, but the coaches, including Purdy and 29 of his teammates, needed it too. Nebraska's welcomed 33 new players this offseason. Nine were at Saturday's camp teaching basics, blowing whistles, building rapport with teammates. We've got new guys and returning players bonding with each other, having fun, cracking jokes with the kids, Purdy said. I think this is a great thing for Husker football and all the new guys coming in. Purdy missed six weeks with a foot injury in the spring, practiced twice with his new teammates then. Transfer from Florida State said his old Nike cleats were too tight and hurt his feet. Meanwhile, he used the downtime to dive into new offensive coordinator Mark Whipple's playbook. He looked pretty good in the spring game, uh, all things considered. He downloaded the first nine install phases, four to nine slides per install, about eight plays per slide onto his iPad. He drew the routes on a blank document to help embed them into his memory. Nothing could substitute for the reps he missed, though, Purdy said, and he played pretty well during the Nebraska spring game, but he thought he could have played better with more practice time. It's tough because I, I want to get in there and show these coaches and my teammates what I could do, Purdy said after spring game. I'm trying to learn and read and get the physical reps, not just the mental reps. Now wearing Adidas cleats, Purdy said he and the rest of NU's quarterbacks work with their receivers every morning, first in the weight room, then seven-on-seven drills with Whipple offering pointers. Receivers rotate between reps so they can build rapport with every passer. Purdy said he's become fast friends with quarterback Logan Smothers, tight ends Travis Vokalek and uh, Nate Borkercher, running back Trevin Lubin, and offensive lineman Turner Corcoran. They hang out, they golf. Purdy says Vokalek has the best swing of the bunch. He did lose to us Friday, though, Purdy added. On Saturday, Purdy and the Huskers were keeping score again. Huskers 
sprinted after campers who broke big runs during scrimmages. They hoisted touchdown scores into the air. They encouraged dancing after successful reps. Purdy hopes to see more of the, the those as fall camp approaches, more seven-on-seven drills, more routes against air every morning. But he also sees value in building relationships. Swinging golf clubs and signing T-shirts can help the Huskers, too especially for the new guys still acclimating to their new home. I've been making good relationships with a lot of our guys, Purdy said. We all hang out. I think it's going to benefit us. I think uh, uh, that we what we put together today was awesome. It's a cool little story, huh? So, pretty sure the last story said that Vokalek was, uh, excuse me, um, Chavo Purdy was uh, bonding with Turner Corcoran, and uh, he's... Uh, He's back healthy now, uh, offensive lineman. He, he got tired of waiting. This is the uh, Omaha World Herald. When Ethan Piper hurt his hand during spring pa- practice, Corcoran, who himself was sitting out with an upper body injury, went looking for Nebraska athletic trainer Mark Mayer. Where are my pads, Corcoran said. Mayer wouldn't tell him. He couldn't while Corcoran was still rehabbing. Though the Husker lineman felt ready to practice, Mayer pleaded otherwise, don't do this, you're going to get hurt. Corker, now 100% healthy, said the injury wasn't serious, just some maintenance for the season, he said, but maintenance still requires rehab, and rehab, no matter how minor, test your mind, your will, your patience. It's a mental game. It's a mental game. I love it when the screen jumps around. I can't find where I was before. Uh, it's a, <laughs> did I tell you it's a mental game? Corcoran told the World Herald at Saturday's football development camp, you can't get too down on yourself because you're not up to pace where you thought you'd be. Just got to keep chugging away. Corcoran is referring to the wall he hit during his recovery. One day he couldn't lift as much weight as he could the day before. His strength had regressed. His progress froze. He compared the feeling to digging yourself a hole. The only way to correct it, dig yourself out. So Corcoran kept his body pushing and his mind occupied. During spring ball, he considered himself an assistant, an offensive line coach on uh, Donovan Riola's staff. He watched Riola teach blocking techniques. He studied the new verbiage. Then when he felt comfortable, he spoke up. Coaches stopped meetings to ask Corcoran's perspective. He'd offer a tweak or a note, and he'd always finish on a compliment. There's always two sides of uh, coaching, Corcoran said. You can tear a kid down, and then you got to bring him back up. He craved the same feedback on his own techniques, so he watched uh, film at home. Then he'd visit Riola's office to ask what he could do better. He also played Madden and NCAA football with a player's eye, watching for out-of-place defenders like I was playing uh, quarterback, he said, and he watched film of pros he wants to mimic. Colts guard Quentin Nelson, Ravens center Tyler Linderbaum, and former Husker Cam Jurgens. Corker admits he's biased, but Jurgens is his favorite study. The common threads, athleticism, and tenacity. Corcoran believes he can match the pros' speed and power, but what separates them from most players is their persistence with every block. At the end of the day, you either have tenacity or you don't, Corcoran said. You have to finish blocks, whether you're 10 yards downfield 
or at the line of scrimmage. Those those dudes have it. Corcoran wants to prove he does too. Fall camp is less than two months away, and Corcoran says that if Nebraska had a game tomorrow, he would play. But three months later, he admits Mayer was right. It was a good thing Corcoran didn't play during spring ball. He needed more time to heal, to push, to win the mental game. His wait is almost over. I felt like I was ready, Corcoran said, but obviously I wasn't. There was no sense in throwing me out there in spring ball when I was rehabbing. But now I think all of us are ready to throw the pads on and play. Recruiting news from the Journal Star. Riley Van Poppel commits to Nebraska football. The way Argyle, Texas defensive tackle Riley Von Poppel talked about Nebraska football before his official visit to the school last weekend. It seemed likely he'd commit to the program either during or just after the trip. And on Monday, the 6'5", 270-pounder did just that, becoming the eighth verbal pledge in NU's 2023 class. When I went up there in March, I fell in love with and with recruiting it's always about a gut feeling, and I had a good gut feeling about him, Van Poppel told the World Herald last week before his June 10th official visit. It's a great place and a great program going in the right direction. The son of former Major League Baseball pitcher Todd Von Poppel, Riley has a good idea how he'll fit into NU's defensive scheme as well as an interior lineman who, once he puts on 30 or so pounds, would function much the way current Husker lineman Ty Robinson does. When you go to a place like Nebraska with its weight and nutrition program, I think I'd easily put on some weight and be one of the interior guys who holds the line for him, Von Poppel said. He's got 38 tackles, 14 for loss, and 7 sacks last season for Argyle, a town just outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex on office offense. He was quick enough to serve as an H-back blocker. Nebraska found him when current running backs coach Brian Applewhite, who works as an area recruiter in Texas, saw Van Poppel during a county fair workout in Argyle's weight room. That day, someone from Nebraska started following me on Twitter, Van Poppel said. NU Director of Player Personnel Sean Dillon was that guy. Next thing you know, the defensive coordinator Eric Chenander is coming down the following week. Von Poppel is a four-state prospect, according to 24-7 Sports, and was one of NU's priority targets along the line of scrimmage. He's the third high school player to commit to NU in June, the first defensive lineman in the class. I want somewhere I can go to get coached and be set up to play at the next level after college, Ron Popple said, and I don't want to ride the bench for four years and not do anything. Maybe not the first year, but the second year, I want to get on the field and make a difference for that team. So Sam McEwen with the World Herald has three takes on uh, the six foot five, two hundred and seventy pounder Von Poppel. It's good to grab priority prospects. That's the first take. Nebraska put Von Poppel, an athletic lineman with a frame that can put on weight, near the top top of its wish list for defensive linemen, and the Huskers got a big score. While NU had for years been successful in landing its top offensive lineman prospects. 
Bryce Benhart, Turner Corcoran, and Teddy Prohaska among them. Prioritized defensive linemen have been more elusive under former defensive line coach Tony Teodi. Von Poppel represents a nice win for Husker defensive coaches, particularly current line coach Mike Dawson, an underrated recruiter. Explosive quickness on film should lead to some negative plays in the backfield. Von Poppel pops off the screen in his huddle highlights for his splashy tackles for loss and sacks he's able to make. A quick first step, quick for defensive linemen and quick in general is a must for a playmaker, and Von Poppel has that. He's tall enough, too, to flex out to a traditional 3-4 defense, defensive end if NU chooses to get in that alignment. And then the third take, a strong June of recruiting commits, and it isn't over. Nebraska should get several more commits over the next few weeks. Watch for receiver Omerin Miller, running back Devontius, Dontavis, Dontavis, Braswell, and perhaps one of those remaining uncommitted in-state targets like Maverick Noonan or Malachi Coleman to jump into the boat. NU has a top-shelf list of offensive line prospects who have rolled through on official visits, but Junior Sia, it says J.R. Sia, a three-star prospect still learning the game is uh, another one that might become a Husker. So running back Anthony Grant looked good in the spring game, and he was just recognized as the nation's top juco male athlete you gotta love that uh we've shown a willingness to recruit the junior college ranks and now we got the best one junior running back anthony grant will be in charlotte on friday friday night to accept the david rollins male student athlete of the year award which recognizes the best athlete across all national junior college athletic association sports Last season at New Mexico Military Institute, he rushed for 1,730 yards and 18 touchdowns, helping the Broncos to the national championship. In two playoff games, he barreled for 590 yards and six touchdowns, including a 398-yard game in the semifinals. The award caps a decorated final season for Grant, who was 398 yards in a game. Dang. The award caps a decorated final season for Grant, who was the 2021 NJCAA Division I Offensive Player of the Year, rushing champion, first-team All-American, and the MVP of the national championship game. He's from Buford, Georgia, began his career at Florida State before transferring to play two seasons in junior college. In two JUCO seasons, he rushed for 2,549 yards and 28 scores. At Nebraska, Grant used a strong spring to stamp himself as a possibility to take over the starting role come fall. He's 5'11", 210 pounds, had six carries for 69 yards in the red-white spring game in April. Okay, here's an interesting story from the World Herald. TDM Teodi is trying to adjust the 2023 outside linebacker prospect moved earlier this year to Oregon because his dad, Tony, left Nebraska's coaching staff to join the, join the one of new Ducks coach Dan Lanning 
typo there. Anyhow, he wanted to join Dan Lanning's staff, new coach. Where Tony goes, the family follows, much as they did when, after two years of California, Tony took the job at Nebraska in 2019. It's definitely tough to move again for senior year, said uh, Tatum, who finishes his junior year at Eugene Sheldon High in mid-June. He played three seasons at Lincoln Southeast before the move. you got to find the positives and roll with it. That's what I'm doing now, me and the family, and Eugene is nice. This week, Tatum Teoti heads back to Nebraska for an official. Haven't seen every. He's seen every inch of NU setup where his dad coached the defensive line for three seasons, so he's not going to find many surprises. That's one thing he likes. It's been home for me for three years. I've got a good relationship with all the coaches, and I've been around the fan base, too, at all the home games, he said. It's some, somewhere I feel comfortable, and I can improve there. Husker defensive front coach Mike Dawson is recruiting the 6'3", 223-pounder. Uh, edge rusher, similar to the role inhabited by Caleb Tanner. They like to have fun on the edge, and Dawson's a great coach, said Teoti, a three-star prospect. He knows how to get guys ready for the season. He's got plenty of scholarship offers, including one from his dad's new school. Oregon's got nice facilities, Tedium said, and a top-flight program like NU, but Nebraska's but Nebraska is something else when you get down there, Teodi says. It's really nice. So both places are really nice, and both are strong in football. A key factor in Teodi's decision, he wants to attend a school with a strong engineering program. He wants to explore construction management, and UNL has got that, believe me. My, uh, my son-in-law got his degree there. He, he's doing pretty well, uh, construction management. After football, you got to find a way to provide for yourself, he said. Okay, I thought this was kind of weird. From the Journal Star, USA Today sues UNL over Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg's restructured contracts. So last Friday, when does the story come out? June 10th. Okay, yeah, last, so be, uh, Two weeks ago, USA Today filed a public records lawsuit against the University of Nebraska Lincoln's Director of Records for denying a request to provide details about the matrix outlined in Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg's restructured contracts. General Star reporters filed a public records request seeking the same info, and they were denied. Uh, then they appealed to the Nebraska Attorney General's office. In a letter dated December 13th, Assistant Attorney General Elizabeth O. Gao concluded the request, requested document could be lawfully withheld under Nebraska public record statutes. It's just weird that the USA Today is doing that, in my opinion. In the lawsuit filed Friday afternoon in Lancaster County District Court, Gannett Satellite Information Network, LLC, which publishes USA Today, sued Jacqueline Clinto, UNL's Director of University Records, over the denial of reporter Steve Berkowitz's request for records related to the metrics mutually agreed to in the head football coaches and men's basketball coaches restructured contracts. 
In April, Clintow denied the reporter's request for Frost records, then declined his request for the Hoiberg records a month later. In both, she said the request fell within an exception from disclosure for personal information and records regarding uh, personnel of public bodies other than salaries and routine directory information. Brent Chambers, Associate General Counsel for the University of Nebraska, cited the same reason in response to reporter Parker Gabriel's request on behalf of the Journal Star. In the lawsuit filed Friday, attorney Michael Coyle, who's representing USA Today, alleges that the records requested contained information that determined the amount of Frost and Hoiberg's salaries and are therefore encompassed within the meaning of salary information. He is asking the court to either order Clinto to immediately provide the records or give her a deadline to provide the records or answer the allegations and provide grounds for why she declined their request and set the matter for trial. A university spokeswoman didn't immediately comment on the lawsuit, According to previously released information, Frost's restructured contract includes a reduction in salary from $5 million to $4 million in 2022 and a much smaller buyout if Nebraska fires him after the 2022 season, but also includes the potential for the fifth-year football coach to earn an extension. It also gives Frost the opportunity to bump his salary back to $5 million in 2023 and beyond if the program achieves certain metrics in 2022 that he and the university agree upon. Should the Huskers achieve those metrics this season, Frost's salary will bump back up and the length of the agreement will extend by a year through December 31st, 2027. Gosh, do we need to know any more than that? Athletic Director Trev Alberts referred very clearly defined expectations, that's from, in, in quotes, for Frost in a conversation with the Journal Star and the World Herald, but didn't say what the mutually upon uh, agreed upon metrics were. I don't know that those will be made public. I don't, th- I don't think it's fair, but if some coach, any coach in the athletic department is separated from he or she will not be surprised, let's put it that way. Albert said in November. As for Hoiberg, his salary next season will drop from 3.5 to 3.25 million. The coach gave up a $500,000 retention bonus due him. His buyout is also reduced from 15 million after next season to 11. Like football, Hoiberg's contract included undisclosed matrix. He and the team will have to meet next season. Little baseball news. Husker Extra, a big year at the plate led to a big honor for a Nebraska baseball commit. Zach Johnson, a a Millard North grad who has spent the last two seasons at Southeast Community College in Beatrice, was named a first-team All-American on Monday by the NJCAA Division I Baseball Committee. Catcher outfielder led all of junior college with an eye-popping 474 batting average this spring, this past spring. His 21 home runs ranked seventh nationally, just four behind the lead of Johnson's teammate, Matt Getzman, who was named an honorable mention All-American. 
His 9-12 slugging percentage was second in the country to Getzman. His 80 RBIs ranked ninth. All that production came in 55 games for the Storm, and it didn't exactly come out of nowhere. Johnson hit 371 with nine homers and 25 RBIs in 25 games for SCC in 2021. Johnson was also top 30 nationally and on base percentage this spring at 528. He finished the year with just 26 strikeouts in 171 at bats. And from the Journal Star, Nebraska softball store star Courtney Wallace returning for one more year. A big boost for the 2023 season. One of the team's top pitchers, Courtney Wallace, is. I have 365 days left in my athletic career, and there's no place like home, Wallace said in a 40-second video produced by Nebraska Athletics. A team captain and Papillion LaVista grad, she finished 17-8 and with a 3.12 earned run average for a Husker team that advanced to the NCAA tournament in 2022 uh, and won the Big Ten tourney. She won a Rawlings Gold Glove Award for her defense, had four saves, and also batted in eight runs. Because the NCAA canceled the 2020 spring sports season due to COVID, uh, Wallace has one more season to compete and chose to use it with the Huskers. We have built something pretty amazing here over the past year. I couldn't pass up the opportunity to come back and play for my home state, Wallace said in an NU release. I'm really excited to get back on the field with my teammates and coaches and enjoy every moment of my final year. Husker coach Rhonda Ravel said Wallace instills confidence, belief, and energy in her NU teammates. To have her presence, talent, and voice back in the locker room and on the field next year adds to the momentum from the success of the 2022 season and creates even more optimism for that campaign, Ravel said. Wonderful news for the program. And perhaps vital. And use other primary starting pitcher, Olivia Farrell, exhausted her eligibility. Had Wallace retired or transferred, Nebraska would have uh, had to look into the transfer portal for a replacement. As it stands, Wallace, along with junior-to-be Kalen Kinney, can be a decent one-two pitching combo for the Huskers. In 21 appearances, Kinney had a 3.46 ERA and finished with a 4-1 and record. It's possible, too, and you will scour the transfer portal for pitching additions, especially one uh, who may have played high school softball in the state. At one time, Nebraska's pitching seemed set for four years when the nation's number one prepper, Papio's Jordy Ball, was committed to Nebraska. But she decommitted in the summer of 2019 and flipped to Oklahoma, where she won a national title this year. And from the Omaha World Herald, two days after its starting center fielder said goodbye, Nebraska's found another leading contender for the job. Former Kansas outfielder and Grand Island product Casey Burnham committed to the Huskers out of the portal as a grad transfer as NU's busy stretch of roster moves continues. Fifth-year player next season, the speedy left-hander, has started 100 college games and is a career 257 hitter. 
I had an opportunity to come back home and play in my home state, said Burnham, who entered the portal last week. It's kind of hard to pass up. He, be, he comes aboard two days after senior outfielder Cam Chick elected not to use his fifth year of eligibility. Like Chick, Burnham gets on base. He reached at a clip of more than 41% with Kansas this season, despite a wrist injury that limited him to 27 games. Burnham, a high school track medalist in multiple sprint events, also puts bat on ball. He struck out just 78 times in 414 plate appearances and frequently reaches on bunt hits. He owns 25 college steals, and uh, with three career errors, he's a defensive asset as well. So good on defense and good with a small ball. I use my speed as best I can, Burnham said. I'm, I'm going to look to put the ball in play and put pressure on the defense. I have pride in my short game. The 5'9", 185-pounder turns 23, or has turned just turned 23 as he embarks for summer ball in Alaska. Burnham entered the portal in part because of the retirement of longtime Kansas coach Rich Price, which became official a couple weeks ago. But player and coach had previously discussed the p- potential best finish to Burnham's baseball career being in his home state, uh, building on a finance degree earned in Lawrence. Price helped start the dialogue with Nebraska, which Burnham, which had Burnham uh, in for a campus visit Friday. They thought I could bring something to the team next year, Burnham says. Quick process. Becomes the eighth known addition to the team for next season. 18th, excuse me. Joining 10 junior college transfers and seven high school prospects. Seven Huskers entered the portal last week while Chick was the first senior with extra eligibility to, to declare his intentions. You always dream of putting on Husker Red, Burnham said. I'm pumped to play in front of a great fan base and get started. Huskerholics. Huskers are trying to reestablish those recruiting ties to Texas for football that we sort of, I guess, gave up on when we moved to the Big Ten. And from the Omaha World Herald, Fishing Saturday morning, watching college football Saturday night. Houston area linebacker Dylan Rogers figures that's just about a perfect day. He'll go from uh, watching to playing football in the next year, and he thinks Nebraska would be the spot where he wants to do it. Six foot three, two hundred and thirty pound, three star prospect headed to NU on an official this weekend. Likes how the Huskers use their linebackers. Nebraska's been among the schools recruiting them the hardest. And uh, the NU coaches who have handled Rogers' recruitment, uh, Barrett Rood and Brian Applewhite, have been selling him on life in the Midwest. I like to fish, and I've been asking Coach Rood about fishing spots and the kind of fish I can catch up there, Rogers said. And Coach Applewhite says Nebraska is kind of similar to Texas, the temperature and the weather, at least uh, during the summer. Last winter uh, was mild, and maybe Brian Applewhite thinks it's like that all the time. Anyhow, that sounds good to the linebacker who had 137 tackles, four sacks, and four interceptions over the past two seasons at Cypress Woods High School, located 25 miles northeast of downtown Houston. The steady flow of defensive starters in the 2010s, including Josh Kalu, 
David Santos and Thad Randall came from the area, but the pipeline slowed as the shift to the Big Ten impacted NU efforts in Texas. Former offensive line coach Greg Austin, a Houston native, opened a few doors over the past four seasons. Apple White, the Nebraska running backs coach who has recruited Texas for years, has opened a few more. He was at TCU before he came to Nebraska. He helped discover recent Nebraska commit Riley Von Poppel. And Applewhite is playing a role in Rogers' recruitment, too. The Texas recruiting pipeline, which fueled some of Bill Callahan and Bo Pelini's best teams, could fully reopen this cycle. Rogers is one of two prospects from Texas scheduled to visit this weekend. The other, Tayshawn Wilson, is a four-star cornerback from Houston Maid Creek High School. The 5'9", 175-pound Wilson has run a sub 10-7, 10.7 100-meter dash, and the 200 in less than 22 seconds. Texas, Baylor, and SMU resurgent in recruiting under new coach Rhett Lashley are in hot pursuit of uh, Wilson, who visits the Bears. That have to be Baylor this weekend, or this week. Another visiting cornerback, Ryan Robertson, hails from New Orleans' Edna Carr, a familiar name to Husker fans who may recall former linebacker Tyron Ferguson or uh, three Edna Carr recruits in Pelini's 2014 class who all left school before making any contributions. The six foot, 170-pound Robinson told on three in March that he had daily conversations with Husker receivers coach Mickey Joseph, who recruits Louisiana. Wilson and Robinson will join 2023 NU commit Dwight Boodle III, the younger brother of DiCaprio Boodle, who is opting to take his official now for the second Friday Night Lights events instead of in the fall. Two more Husker commits, Omaha Creighton Prep offensive lineman Sam Sledge and Springfield, Massachusetts central quarterback William Pop Watson will be in Lincoln as well. Typically, when the quarterback of a class visits, a team tries to attract offensive skill players to the same visit uh, that you know, that weekend, that particular weekend. In Watson's case, he'll be surrounded by defenders, including Aurora, Colorado, Regis linebacker Hayden Moore. The six foot three, two hundred and ten pound three star prospect Moore took a quiet unofficial to NU in early June to get a feel for everything with NU coaches. He liked what he heard and he'll return this weekend to talk to players. I want to see what they feel about the program, Moore said. That's going to give me a better look. The relationship players have with each other, that's pretty important to me. Nebraska wants uh, more for inside linebacker or off-ball linebacker, as Husker coaches are telling prospects, in football and potentially for pitching in baseball. Moore said NU is one of few schools open to him trying both, much like incoming Husker catcher Mickey Pauley will attempt to play quarterback as well. Moore said he has a fastball that consistently hits 90 miles per hour, coupled with a two-seam changeup. Michigan, which just lost its baseball coach to Clemson, also is open to Moore playing both sports, he said. 
He hasn't talked much with Iowa about it. The other two top teams in his top five, Iowa State and Colorado, don't have college baseball teams. Yeah, that's right. Colorado doesn't field a lot of sports. Um, Iowa State, they've always been kind of cash-starved. Maybe they're starting to get some more money now that football's doing better. Football will drive Morris' decision, as will Nebraska's defense, improving each of the past four years under coordinator Eric Chenander. Scheme-wise, I like the way they run things and the defensive culture. I like that, Morris said. So does Rodgers, who could play in the middle, which he's currently doing at Cypress Woods, or at an edge spot where he'll fill a similar row to Caleb Tanner. I like reading the offense and making plays, Rodgers said, and then getting my teammates to the right spots so they can make plays as well. The Nebraska softball team's pitching situation for next season uh, continues to take shape. Missouri Valley Conference first-team pitcher Sarah Harness announced her commitment to the Huskers on Thursday. Harness spent the past three seasons at Southern Illinois and will have two years of eligibility in Lincoln. The addition of Harness comes on the heels of Courtney Wallace's announcement Monday in which she revealed she'll return to Nebraska for her extra season. Wallace was one of the team's primary pitchers last season along with Olivia Farrell who exhausted her eligibility. Last season, Harness had a 307 ERA in 189 innings and 84 career appearances for the uh, Salukis. The Missouri product had a 2.31 ERA with 436 strikeouts and 442 innings. Sarah combined with our talented pitchers that return next year gives reason for great optimism for another successful season. Nebraska coach Rhonda Ravel said in a news release, Sarah can flat out pitch and her strongest pitchers are very complimentary to our other pitchers' best pitches. She brings a competitive fire, a high pitching IQ, and a desire and talent to be an immediate impact player. On top of her ability to help us win on the field, Sarah fits right into our team culture and is an excellent student as well. Wallace, who threw 148, 148 innings this season, figures to be the ace of the rotation next spring, and in harness and junior to be Kalen Kinney, uh, and Nebraska uh, could again lean on his pitching. Huskers, of course, finished 14 and 16 this spring. They won the Big Ten tournament for the first time and ended a four-year NCAA drought. Well, this isn't great news. After dropping in the standings Thursday afternoon, Nebraska Athletics could be headed for its worst ever finish in the Learfield Directors Cup, despite strong spring performances from its softball and women's track and field teams. And you fell to 46th overall, its worst ever finish. Uh, it, it was in 2018 through 19, and that was 48th. But several teams currently just behind the Huskers, including number 47 TCU, number 49 Wake Forest, number 51 Maryland, are poised to pose uh, past the Big Red once the comp points from the NCAA's baseball postseason, which continues through late June with the College World Series are passed out 
Should NU fall to 49th, that would be the lowest finish since the Director's Cup began with the 93-94 NCAA athletic season. Nebraska finished in the top 20 for the first eight years of the Cup, dropped to 22nd in 01 to 02, and hasn't been above 30th since 2015 through 16 when they finished 27th. Nebraska Athletic Director Trev Albert's contract has an escalating bonus tied to NU's cup performance. A portion of his bonus kicks in when the Huskers finish at least 30th. Last year, they finished 35th. Ouch, and 49th this year. Uh, the cup awards points to each school that makes the postseason of a given sport. The national champion is awarded 100 points and points descend incrementally from there. Schools can score up can score in up to 19 sports, four of which must be men's and women's basketball, volleyball, and baseball. Schools with more sports, especially niche Olympic sports, tend to do better. Regardless of the results at the CWS, Texas has already clinched the title for the second year in a row with perennial powerhouse Stanford in second, Michigan third, uh, is the top Big Ten team, followed by Ohio State, fourth, Wisconsin, 22nd, Minnesota, 27th, and Northwestern, 32nd. Nebraska is ninth in the Big Ten, just behind Rutgers, which is 45th nationally. Iowa is 54th nationally and 13th in the league. The Huskers got no points from their football, men's basketball, and baseball teams this season. None of the three were close to qualifying for the NCAA postseason, and Husker baseball failed to qualify for the Big Ten uh, eight-team conference tournament. So I guess that's a good segue into this story from the Journal Star. Plenty of conspirators in Nebraska baseball's 2022 struggles rebuild only already underway, and this is after winning the Big Ten the year before. Nebraska baseball coach Will Bolt has been around the college game for 20 years. There hasn't been a lot of losing at Bolt stops during that time, and certainly not to the extent his Huskers experienced this season. They just weren't very good. Uh, there's not a single ounce of me that's taken a step back in terms of the belief I have and what it takes to win, like zero, both said after Nebraska's season ended last, uh, well, a couple Sundays ago at Haymarket Park. I've had this, uh, this in my file for a little while. I, I know what it looks like. I know what it's supposed to look like. And too many times this year, we weren't able to get that from this team. They finished 23 and 30, 10 and 14 in the Big Ten, 434 winning percentage was the lowest since 1975. It's 23 wins were the fewest since the 76 team went 21, 24 and 1. The Huskers were never above 500 in 2022 and the Big Ten record. It came in a down year for a league that has never been a baseball power. As conference tournament week got underway without the Huskers, only one Big Ten team, Maryland, ranked among the top 40 nationally in RPI. Only two league squads were in the top 50. The Big Ten ranks eighth nationally in conference RPI. The 2022 season marked just the third time a college team Bolt has been associated with finished under 500. Nebraska went 29 and 30 in 2013 when Bolt was an associate head coach. Texas A&M went 25, 30 and 1 in 2005 when Bolt was a volunteer assistant there. If you're not 
evolving. You're dying anyway, whether you're winning or losing. So you've always got to take a hard look at how things are going, Bolt said. So we just got to evaluate from a roster management standpoint what it's supposed to look like from a recruiting standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, all of it. There are plenty of conspirators when a season goes sideways, and that was no different for Nebraska. They went 6-12 and 12 in one-run games and 9-18 and 18, uh, in games decided by two runs or less. So, uh, I mean, that right there could have made the difference in getting into the Big Ten tournament, which actually they didn't miss by much despite the record. Too often NU couldn't hold a lead or couldn't rally in the late innings. That alone may have, as I said, cost them a, a spot in the tournament. And you blew an 8-5 eighth inning lead against last place Minnesota and went on to lose that series. Nebraska led Illinois 4-zip going into the sixth inning and 4-3 going in the eighth with a chance to win the series. Lost 5-4 after lengthy weather delays. An ineffective offense took plenty of blame, ranking among the worst teams in the Big Ten and nationally in batting average, power, and scoring. Closer turned first baseman Colby Gomes may have been the team's best hitter, finishing with a three thirty three average and seven homers, but foot and hand injuries limited him to just 29 games with 23 starts. Freshman Garrett Anglum, was the only regular to hit above 300, finished at 303. Sophomore Max Anderson made a late charge to get to 299 after never seeing his average dip below 300 as a freshman. I think we came into the season thinking we we're going to have to win a lot of 5-4 games. The season looks different if you can do that, Bolt said. You start to get confidence, uh, and when you have a young offense, Maybe if you start winning some of those games where you only score four runs, then you start to feel better about yourself. A pitching staff battered by injury still managed to finish third in the league and 75th nationally in ERA, despite getting little help from bats or a shaky defense that ranked 145th nationally in fielding percentage. And when that defense wasn't committing errors, it too often made small mistakes that kept innings alive and fed rallies. We learned a hard lesson. It's the hardest season. How you win in college baseball a lot of times comes down to depth and mindset, both said, and how many times we, we had leads in the middle, late innings, and didn't finish them off. How many times we had a chance to win a series on Sunday and never grab the momentum for the next week. And those are things that we got to get corrected as coaches. From a depth standpoint, we had some things go sideways in terms of some guys being down, but that's why we've got to build up depth. We need to make sure there's guys ready to step up. How to fix it? Well, the work has already started. Nebraska's gotten commitments from, this is as of a few weeks ago, from two junior college players since the season ended while six current Huskers have entered the transfer portal at the same time. More departures are likely as NU works to get its roster under the NCAA maximum of 40. NU has to bring a recruiting class of nearly 20 on campus this fall, with more than half of those, 10 as of a few weeks ago, coming from the JUCO ranks and ready to be plugged into the lineup. 
those new players cover the entire diamond too. Pitchers, catchers, infielders, outfielders. It'll be open season at nearly every position when Nebraska gathers again in August. There's an intangible side too. Nebraska lost an elite class of leaders from the 2021 team. The, the fire that Jackson Hallmark, uh, that had Jackson Hallmark tipping his batting helmet to the Arkansas crowd. Yeah, you know, we took Arkansas in the, in the postseason to, to the limit, one of the best teams in the country. Or Joe Acker screaming into Rutgers dugout and nearly starting a brawl didn't burn as brightly in 2022. Fix that part, said one of NU's top talents, and change should come quickly. Last year, I feel like we kind of took it for granted, the leadership and everything we had and uh, just what it took to win a game, Andrew said, said. And now I've been on both sides. You understand what it takes and what we need to fix it and get it right for next year. So what does the future hold for women's softball? It looks a little brighter on that side. They made the NCAA tournament, got by in one game. They won the Big Ten tournament. Following a season-ending loss in the NCAA tournament, it didn't take long for the Nebraska softball team to start talking about 2023. Some of the younger ones grabbed me and said, we're going to keep this thing going. And you, Coach Ronda Ravel, said moments after Nebraska lost to North Texas, May 21 in Stillwater. Every NU, even NU strength coach told the players to first take a couple of days off, but the message is clear. After going 41 and 16 and making the NCAA regionals for the first time since 2016, the returning Huskers are determined to piece together some postseason appearances. Like any year, the Huskers will have to fill some key voids, but they also have a strong group of players coming back, beginning with a talented sophomore class. Here are some keys to know. Courtney Wallace, okay, she's coming back. Uh, so that, that's good, and we've talked a lot about her. Who's leaving? Second baseman Cam Yabera was the Huskers' most consistent bat, played great, great defense, and her leadership was big in the program's change in culture. Right fielder Peyton Gladder also have to be replaced. The Millard South grad, grad's bat became very important late in the season, especially if some of the young Huskers were going through hitting spells. Senior pitcher Carly Seavers didn't see the field, but she was captain, and Ravel raved about her graduate leadership. Senior catcher Annie Rayleigh wasn't known for her offense, but she was steady behind the plate. The biggest loss is Farrell, who won 20 games and had a 196 ERA. Though she isn't going far, she's going to serve as a volunteer grad assistant, and she'd like to coach in Division One softball. Optimism for the future of Nebraska softball centers around a talented group of sophomores and freshmen. Sophomore Billy Andrews, who hit 20 homers this past season, will be a three-year starter when NU takes the field next February. And sophomore third baseman Sidney Gray also has started since her freshman year. Sophomore Abby Squire developed into a first-team All-Big Ten selection, and she's already one of the best outfielders in the Big Ten. Uh, Kaylin Kinney will have a bigger role. Catcher Ava Breadwell was the Big 
Ten Freshman of the Year. First baseman Maya Felder had the team's top average at 373 this spring. She returned, so there's a lot of pieces coming back. Huskers going to add six freshmen in the fall, including outfielder Talia Tokheim out of San Carlos, California. She's ranked the number 44 overall recruit by extra inning softball. Another incoming outfielder, Dakota Carter out of Eastville, California, ranked 78 by extra inning softball. Joining them will be infielder, outfielder, Caitlin Kanita from Saratos, California, infielder, outfielder, Alina Felix from Tucson, catcher Hayden Warner from Oro Valley, Arizona, and infielder Ashley Smetter from Lincoln Southeast, so, or excuse me, Southwest. So we're, we're getting a, a number of California and Arizona kids. And league matchups were announced for the Husker men's basketball team. Uh, yesterday, or Thursday, excuse me, when the league released its 2022 through 23 conference matchups. In a 20-game Big Ten slate, the Huskers will play single home games against Northwestern, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. It will play single road games at Indiana, Michigan, and Rutgers. The Huskers went 2-9 and nine against those opponents last season. That leaves home and home matchups against Michigan State, Penn State, Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois, Maryland, and Iowa. And you finished two and seven against those opponents last year. The Huskers will also play in the ESPN Invitational held in Orlando, November 24th, 25th, and 27th as part of its non-conference schedule. Other participants include Florida State, Memphis, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Seton Hall, Stanford, and Siena. Kansas State will meet NU in Kansas City, Missouri on December 17th. The Big Ten will release dates and times for conference games later this summer. And the Husker women are going to face some home tests. They will routinely be tested on its home floor this winter. The Big Ten on Thursday released conference matchups, and four NCAA tournament teams from last season are coming to Pinnacle Bank Arena, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, and Ohio State. A complete schedule with dates, times, and television designations is not expected until early fall. And, of course, the Huskers are coming off a 24-9 season that culminated with a tra- trip to the NCAA tournament. They return all five starters from 2021 through 22. That went 16-2 and on its home court last season. They're ranked 22 in ESPN's preseason rankings, and the headliners on the Husker home schedule are in the polls too. Iowa number six, Ohio State 15, Maryland 18. Michigan isn't ranked, but went to the Elite Eight last season. Nebraska's other home matchups include Michigan State, Northwestern, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Illinois. It doesn't get much easier on the road. Nebraska will travel to Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Northwestern, Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, Rutgers, and Illinois. Nebraska baseball picked up a commitment from a JUCO infielder. Middle infielder Blake Mosley announced his commitment to the Huskers following a breakout spring at Johnson County Community College in Kansas. 
He hit 396 in 62 games, along with 10 homers, 19 steals, and 30 doubles. That ranked second nationally in the NJCAA level. He also showed a strong eye, working 41 walks against 31 strikeouts and 207 at-bats. And you offered Mosley a few weeks back. The 21-year-old visited campus early May. He held offers from Oklahoma, UNC Wilmington, and Lamar, amongst others. All individual goals pale against the bigger picture, he said. Anything to help the team win, Mosley said. That's the name of the game. As a hitter, that's the only thing I'll try to do. I'll come in there and hopefully help out the team next year. The five foot ten, 185-pound Mosley throws right-handed, but bats lefty, a valuable trade after the Huskers navigated last season with essentially three such hitters in freshman Luke Jensen and Core Jackson and senior Cam Chick. Chick's not returning. A native of Ozark, Missouri, spent two years at nearby Division II Missouri State, including a 2021 campaign in which he hit 286 in 33 games with no homers or steals. He thrived at Johnson County last season. Nebraska's 2023 recruiting class is up to, uh, at least at the time of this writing, 17 commits, including 10 junior college players. It added power-hitting outfielder Zachary Johnson out of Southeast Community College a few weeks back, and infielder Bryce Hughes from Alvin, Texas Community College. Six Huskers from the current NU roster enter the transfer portal. Mosley's father, Brandon, a former professional basketball scout for the Toronto Blue Jays and the Cubs, the younger Mosley said the stamp of approval from his dad about Lincoln made the decision easier. He's been in Nebraska to watch players and said it's a great place, Mosley said, so I thought it'd be a good fit. So it's that time of year when there's uh, no active sports at Nebraska, nothing's really going on. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have football news, especially as the time goes on and we get uh, closer to fall camp. Huskerholics. That wraps up another edition of Huskerholics right here on the Radio Talking Book Network. Thanks to our old buddy Steve Sleeper for doing a great job of announcing... The Radio Talking Book Network is brought to you with the cooperation of KIOS-FM in Omaha and statewide through the facilities of NET Radio and Television. Thank you for being a loyal Radio Talking Book listener and fan booster. Go Big Red and may the frost be with you.